Well, he enjoys playing against Arsenal, does Roberto Firmino. That's six in eight Premier League appearances now. He's got a few assists. This game, game this fixture always produces goals. And here's Firmino again, towards the edge of the area, inside the area, what a goal! Oh, that is terrific! Roberto Firmino, virtuoso stuff from the Brazilian. Liverpool have turned it around in the blink of an eye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Two Red Gringos. I'm your host, Phil, joined, as always, by my co-host, Pat Staley from Mexico City. Pat, how's it going? Not too bad. What a way to kick off 2019 with a little uh, Bobby Dazzler Golasso there. Yeah, uh, that was that was like I like I posted it on on Twitter. That was that was a Christmas gift to to me. Um, <laughs> this was that that entire performance, uh, a Bobby hat trick with a just an absolute stunner, does not get better than that. But uh, but yeah, we rang in 2019 last night. Um, so we're you know recording on the first if you're not listening to it uh, as it goes live. So. Um, so how do you uh, how do you spend your your New Year's, Pat? We built a fort and watched movies and ate breakfast for dinner. I'm telling you right now, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually incredible because we missed we missed Home Alone two. Oh, okay. Over Christmas, so we had to get caught up on Home Alone two, and then like Mission Impossible or something like that. We wanted to see that one, but we had done. I don't know, some hectic thing, not hectic, but like the typical uh, go out, hit like some bar package deal or something like that last year. So after all the traveling, we were like, you know, let's just ring in the new year in a quiet, comfortable way, not be hungover. But of course, I drank too much champagne, so I I woke up a little groggy, but, (laughs) you know, nothing new there. Yeah, um, I uh, we were out as as you saw, but. we were out last night in El Paso. Uh, we we started actually at uh, at Eloise um, and got dinner there. Um, I don't know if you if you know Eloise up on Shadow Mountain, um, like down from Sunland Park. Um, yeah, but it's a really good restaurant that's like vegan ish, but oh. it's not all vegan. Like <laughs> I had pork, I had pork belly in my. <laughs> in my uh noodle bowl that i got so um but it's just like really good food um it's a and, rare find and mostly vegan yeah with a little bit of meat like they they can do like most of the dishes they can go vegan but not all of them are vegan like you know by default you can just do it that way so it's kind of it kind of suits everybody uh, but they also have a really good cocktail menu as well so we started up there uh dinner and drinks and then we went to uh Happy's Barley and Vine, and had a beer. Uh, watched a little, watched a little college football, um, and then uh, and then we ended up at Black Orchid and uh, drank a lot more there. And um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good a good end to 2018. Uh, if I did pay for it a little bit today, um, with. Uh, I, I was a little beyond groggy, so um, it was it was <laughs> a rough. Think, was I a think rough most listeners today are are you know yeah have a have a layer of Tylenol <laughs> within them and a lot of uh, bottles of water too. Yeah, this Hoppy's place is that new? I I, I posted that El Paso like promotional video today saying you know they're getting a little too bougie there. Is that one of the new spots <laughs> that you guys got? Yeah, it's um it's in this like kind of. 
I don't want to say strip mall, but this like area called uh, like the substation, which is out on um, it's out near like Red Road, um, south of Ten. Okay. And uh, there's a couple of really nice spots out there, um, but yeah, this Happy's Barley and Vine is like a like a beer bar type type place, and then they have I mean they have coffee shops, uh, they have an Art of Vino's uh, location out there, which is cool because that's really good pizza. Um, yeah, they've got a few few restaurants out there, so it's all kind of built up in the last couple of years. Like it's new to us too, um, since we just got back and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a nice nice spot. But it is, I mean, that's where the El Paso like, you know how Austin has that like mural that's like the words Austin with the letters filled in with like different monuments, and everybody takes pictures in front of it like for Instagram and and it's like welcome to Austin or whatever. I I have absolutely no idea. Well, I I can imagine it. Someone will be <laughs> someone will understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but the they have an El Paso version that like in the in the different letters, it's like Southwest University Park and like the Mountain Star and all that stuff, uh, like all the El Paso monuments uh, or like notable or yeah, whatever monuments. So, um, so yeah, it is it is getting a little bougie out here. It's just it's just the way the way of things, you know. Nothing wrong with that. This segment of the Two Red Gringos is brought to you by the the Sun City El Paso. <laughs> Yeah, if only. So, uh, so we always start off with the poison. Um, I unfortunately, I'm I'm that guy today, and my poison was all ingested last night. Um, but I do have a I do have a story for you because of something that you posted today as well. <laughs> um, it's still in your system, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we sit down at the bar at Black Orchid, and there's this couple sitting next to us, and they. Uh, I overhear their conversation with the bartender and the, or like the bar manager and the bar manager was like, like knew this couple and was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you try something special. Um, I'm going to have you do a shot of Malort. Oh no. And I couldn't hold my tongue. I had to, <laughs> I had to say something. Right. So I, I, I'm like, that's just, that's just cruel. Um, just being a good Samaritan. <laughs> And, uh, and so it turned out that the bar manager had lived in, lived and worked in Chicago for about 13 years and always yeah. tries to spread the Malort, I guess, gospel. Um, <laughs> but when she poured it, she hands it to him and she had something of her own and he's like, yours looks different than mine. And she's like, yeah, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> 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 so she's just out here torturing the people of El Paso with shots of Malort. I did not join in, um, or else I'd be Sorry, even man. more. I'd be even more in the back, you know, just like struggle, struggle bus today. Um, so sometimes Malort is so wicked that one shot of that, and you're just emptying everything out of your system automatically, anyway. Yeah, so yeah, it's very it's true. The devil, it's literally the devil. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, all of the poison was in vibe last night. I got a drink at, uh, <laughs> I got a drink at Black Orchid yesterday that was called, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Okay. And they, no joke, put the drink, like, in this box, and they put smoke, like, into... Did they smoke it? Yeah, and they put smoke, like, into the box, and then they serve you the box, and on top of the box is a printed out picture of Burt Reynolds <laughs> from Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was uh, like they were struggling to come up for a name, and they're like, you know, must be Burt Reynolds or something. That yeah. They had to, that they had to slap on it. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm a fan of the smoke stuff. We had yeah. a smoked Manhattan at a place here in Mexico City, and but it showed up in not quite the box with Burt Reynolds on it, but almost like you know the big kind of glass, what it like the glass case in Beauty and the Beast where like the roses <laughs> are or whatever. Yeah, it shows up in that like completely foggy in there, and they lift it and just all this smoke billows out. But it was phenomenal too, so I'm on board with that. And and anything with a picture of Burt Reynolds is, is yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't say I had no idea it would be served like that. Felt like a real jackass when the people next to me there's like smoke everywhere uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I opened this box. Um, but anyways, so uh, so poison wise, are you are you rocking anything on the show today? I've got I've got a couple. I've got a couple. I've got Dos Aves, which is an American pale ale out of San Miguel de Allende. So the favorite of expats, Americans, Canadians, Europeans here in Mexico City. And then the Insurgente, just the wit beer that they have too, a, a solid choice that I've had uh, numerous times before. So a couple good, not really local because San Miguel Allende is like four hours right. <laughs> driving, but you know, close enough. But you did just, you did just visit out there recent, fairly recently, right? Yeah, we were just there and... Yeah, I had absolutely no recollection of this beer, but I saw <laughs> I saw a little spot around the corner, so I snagged one. Yeah, really so, solid though, coming in about six percent. Not bad at all. No, real easy, real easy. Good stuff. So, I mean, we started off twenty nineteen strong uh, <laughs> in our in our personal lives, but no no uh, club ended twenty eighteen quite as strongly as our beloved Liverpool FC. With it, just an absolute—I call it an arse kicking, um, but a demolition of Arsenal Football Club, five-one at Anfield. Um, there's a lot to take away from this match. There's a lot of positives and uh, and and a lot to talk about. But just generally, what what were your big takeaways um, from that game uh, in which we ended December eight wins out of eight? Which is phenomenal, right? Like your post on Twitter, like how many points are we going to get in December? And you're like, my guess, my guess wasn't going to be 24. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was unreal, and it, it it was a fitting end. Uh, but for in terms of the match itself, you know, I was really excited to see how positionally we would perform after really one of the more that stretch where we hit, you know, like PSG, Napoli, Chelsea twice, Arsenal. Uh, when we faced them previously, was was rough overall. But that Arsenal match, I was really disappointed in, just kind of tactically. And uh, I felt that we let an inferior side kind of dominate dominate the style of play. Um, and this one going to the four two three one, we haven't seen it too much versus top sides. And I was just really excited to see that it come off um, with Wijnaldum and Fabinho working and one Wijnaldum getting, you know, the plaudits that he deserves. Yeah. But then also I was nervous going in about Shakiri, and would we be able to keep, you know, possession, control the style of play as much with Shakiri on the pitch? Because he's, he's a bit of a wild card. Um, but I think we shifted shapes from 4-3-3 to 4-2-3-1. Um, even later, like four four two almost, um, and we were able to play the game that we wanted, and obviously the scoreline reflects that too. But but good and better in terms of possession, 
um, and just the the overall buildup and, and team play as well. Yeah, this uh, this match, as weird as it is to say, because this is a side, you know, Liverpool's a side that's progressed so much over the last year. Um, but this game felt a lot more like the end of last season in terms yeah. of the style. Um, and I think it's part of the learning kind of approach of Klopp, where it seems like there's not, no one ever really gets one over on Klopp, you know, the second time there's no one, (laughs) no one really, uh, you know, figures him out and, and he doesn't allow himself to be figured out. I don't think so. He came out with a far more attacking and far more kind of reckless style than, than we've seen, uh, previously this year. Um, so it, it kind of caught me off guard in how kind of wild we looked in the beginning because we've gotten so used to kind of just, asserting ourselves in the match and being able to to be the dominant side and be more methodical uh and this felt you know wild and and it was a kind of a wild ride for for the first you know 45 minutes um and we just kind of flipped that switch and went and went you know all out and I think it benefited us in this match where we tried the controlling approach in the last match at the Emirates and it it didn't really come off uh quite the way we were expecting yeah, it was and, – and I think the lineup really kind of dictates that too. It set the tone for for what we might see. And I missed I think maybe about the first 10 minutes or so um, as we were boarding a flight as I foolishly booked it <laughs> around uh, about an hour and a half after kickoff. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was a little bit hectic, but a little bit of craziness seems to benefit Klopp sides uh, far more than the opposition. Right. So the the man who kind of embodies crazy a little bit for for Liverpool in <laughs> in both on and off the pitch uh, is Bobby Firmino and we saw him uh not only does he get a hat trick but it's his it's his first goals uh at Anfield in the league this season um and if I'm recalling correctly his only goals aside from the the winner against PSG in the Champions League that he'd scored at home so far this year. So Yeah, I couldn't uh, believe that stat. <laughs> it's a it's a crazy run that it's been for Bobby, but did we is is this do you see this as the game where now he's kind of flipped the switch and figured out this role that he's playing in this in this new system that we've got? I don't know. I think he was definitely more aggressive. And I think his second goal where he just tore through Arsenal really kind of sums that up. Um, but also I think it's going to be all about when when the chances fall to him. Um, and a little bit of more aggressiveness is going to help him out too. But I was just excited to see him doing this within kind of that that more that, – that deeper role, right, where Salah was still pretty pretty far ahead and sometimes the, the out-and-out striker. Um, and Bobby positionally was pretty deep too. So I, I was glad to see that the goals came um, – but but also, too, I think it, it wasn't too dissimilar than other performances that he's had, you know, but it just seemed that the, the chances were there and it was the perfect, you know, penalty aside and, and the way it went down. I, I love that Salah gave it to him. But in terms of what what the two red gringos want in goals to kick off a hat trick with first being scraps 
and, and appeasing <laughs> me. <laughs> and then the second just being an absolute like worldly um, to, to, you know, to, to top off the Christmas tree for you. Uh, it, it was amazing. But, you know, I, we, we see this all the time from Firmino. So it's, it's good to see that the goals are coming um, because he's been heavily involved um, in our play leading up to this point. So it's just a matter of, you know, being more directly involved with goals and assists. Yeah, I I think the thing in terms of the manner of the goals being scored, the idea that his his first goal is at one nil down to like very you know like high level opposition. Like it's not like we were playing Huddersfield or anything. Um, and it's at one nil down early in the game. The chance falls to him, and he goes no look. <laughs> He hasn't scored it at home in the league all season, and he and he no looks the goal. It's insane. Like he just has for me. People were questioning or have been questioning Bobby a lot this season, just in terms of it seems like he kind of goes in and out of games a little bit, and does he understand this role? And I think I think he's always he's a player where you don't really necessarily look at the confidence because the confidence is there (laughs) yeah he's always gonna back himself um and I think I think now that in that game in particular I think he had the reins taken off him a little bit where he had a little more license to get forward um but then we also saw in in the second goal essentially that is that is a, a typical Firmino move of he picked the ball up in midfield um, you know, after Mane, Mane wins it back off Torreira, Firmino picks it up, carries it forward, and is looking to pass it. <laughs> He's yeah. looking for the runs in behind, and uh, they don't, you know, the lane, he realizes that they're marking the passing lanes, and they're not marking him, you know? And so all of a sudden, he just is like, well, I, I'll just take this myself then. <laughs> and by the time they realize that he's not going to pass, they've already stuck in. You know, people are falling all over the place, um, bodies everywhere, and uh, and the ball's in the back of the net, and it's 2-1. Um, so the game, the game finished, you know, it finishes 5-1, and all of our front three score. Obviously, Salas is a, is a pen. Salas sets up Mane. But how did you see... Um, our attacking play in this game and how does that how does that make you feel going forward especially with city on the on the horizon we love to see especially defensive errors turning into chances or not not necessarily errors but defenders deeper lying midfielders giving the ball away and a, a painful part for arsenal that you know their midfield has gotten a ton of love this season everybody like crucifies the defense um but you've got like when Doozy and Tourette, like all these players that are kind of likable and have been performing, but also like offering absolutely no protection whatsoever when you've got like Jacques and sometimes like three defensive midfielders playing this role and offering absolutely no protection too. So for one, it's it it it, it should hopefully be kind of eye opening for Arsenal to see it's not just the defense that needs to be shown up because they've invested a lot in it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but also the, the, some of the squad players that they have, I, I, I don't know, even with the midfield there, like even I would see like some of, uh, Torreo's performances and, and, and they look good, but at what point do you have to say who's there, <laughs> who's there to help their defense out? Because, 
some of, especially from Mane and others, like pressing, turning into chances, um, that's what's going to allow the front three to click too. And even I think Arsenal try to avoid the the, the playing out from the back as as often as they typically do. Um, but a lot of those chances kind of came from that too. So it, it it's good to see that aspect of it prior to City because that's what we need to to be offensive and, and to score the type of goals that we typically score against City because they didn't do that as much in the first match. They were much more, both sides were much more reserved. It was like a, you know, like a Floyd Mayweather, like boxing match, maybe not against the, <laughs> the kickboxer that he dismantled, but, but that, that's, that's what uh, the forwards had the opportunity to do. This match was, was not just link up, but also be there whenever chances were created. And even for Firmino second, where, you know, the passing lanes were a little clogged, but there was a chance where he kind of looked up. He could have played it to Mane, but but he was a bit more aggressive and he kind of took it on. And that's where you have all the defenders falling around <laughs> him, too. So uh, I, I was excited to see that. But but ultimately, I think with Salah hitting form, Firmino, obviously, with a hat trick and, you know, Mane is going to Mane. So it's <laughs> it, it's good to see him kind of clicking and for everybody to be involved in the goals. Uh prior to uh, the biggest match of the season. Yeah, the uh, the interesting thing, too, is I think when you look at the Arsenal team, at least on paper, we we see their biggest vulnerabilities are are down the wing um, defensively. That's where you would you would circle on the on the sheet and say, like, this is where we can get at them. And, and we did for periods of the game. Um, but I think we found a lot more joy through the middle, as you were as you were saying, than than I think we thought going in (laughs) I I don't think we expected to attack straight down the middle um as as often as we did and uh it a couple of the goals in the in the nature of them being scored kind of did remind me a little bit of the game against City at Anfield last year because it was a lot of chances were created from from high pressing uh causing errors you know just like causing chaos in in the defense and midfield areas and and kind of giving us that side back that we have kind of it seems it's more obvious now I think when our high press is is on you know when Klopp has said like all right yep like now we're gonna press for the next you know for the next like 20 minutes we're gonna we're gonna just run them into the ground um and and so it it worked uh absolutely and it was you know key in seizing back the initiative of the game which was you know initially kind of lost with what was a great cross and finish um by by Arsenal credit to them um the ball in the ball in was fantastic uh you know if 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 Robertson does that you know from the left wing where we'd talk about it for ages so oh yeah the only uh the only issue is that they didn't realize they were scoring the consolation you know as the first goal of the game. So <laughs> as the opener. But so. that's actually something I was a little bit concerned about going in because we looked a little vulnerable with our high line and and sometimes when the fullbacks get pushed forward some of those early crosses and early balls have been you know hasn't bit us bit us before arsenal but they they struck and that's kind of been a weak point too so you know if there's if there's any type of blood in the water you know pepple pepple sniff it out as well (laughs) right um so for the penalties there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk but um is I'll, I'll we'll talk about the Sala one first because I think it's more obvious. But but Sala has been you know rival fans have been all over social media talking about how Sala's a cheat and all this, even though we have plenty of evidence to suggest the <laughs> the complete opposite. Um, 
but he he goes down under the challenge from uh, I believe it's Socrates who brings him down. Um, I mean, is it a, is it a pen for for Mo in the at the Anfield that, Road end? That one was obvious, right? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, why are people talking about that one? Like, you can go. And I was watching. Uh, I was rewatching some of the highlights today. And, and they're, even the commentary, they're like, oh, yep, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's that's why I was so blown away because that, that has been happening for Salah since throughout the entirety yes. of 2018. And all of a sudden now we're, we're getting a couple penalties from it. But there's no the, – the criticism of Salah, and it, it, I, I, I feel bad even like warranting like having to say this, but it it doesn't make any sense because the man stays on his feet – more than anybody else and just is constantly up there. We've talked about this before up there with Hazard is like people that just get hacked down and that, that need to be protected, right? Like these superstars that, you know, if it's a general flow of the game, that's one thing, but if they're getting like specifically targeted for physical play, you have to be able to stop that too. But now that we've got a couple, (laughs) what it was two penalties after, um, or is it up to three now? It's three, three pens now in the league. (laughs) After over like a calendar year or something yeah. like that, it, it it's well deserved. The only one I thought, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, and I swear this isn't just us picking on Loverin. <laughs> if, if I'm because we didn't say anything about Loverin, you know, questionable questionable defending on the Arsenal goal, right? Um, except I guess I just brought it up. But <laughs> if I was if I was an Arsenal fan, or if the situation was reversed and that Loverin. In, in the penalty on Loverin was called, I'd feel a little bit aggrieved yeah. by that. But the solo when you're just sitting there looking at it and like he's getting kicked in the leg like two, three, four times. Like <laughs> right. what, what is the question? Like what what are you so uptight about? So yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, it reminds me, I, I don't know if you remember, um, but a penalty that Moreno gave away uh, a season or two ago where he, he slid in on someone like just outside the box, didn't get the ball, and then he goes back onto the person from behind this time and like kicks him and doesn't get the ball, but he doesn't slide. He just kind of kicks him and and he goes down and we're all saying like, what the hell are you thinking? Like you can't do that in the box. (laughs) You know, you can't putting hands on someone is, is a risk in and of itself. And then kicking him beyond that is a foul. So, um, yeah, I think it's safe to say Socrates, you know, fouled him in the penalty area, which I believe is the dev- definition of <laughs> when a penalty is given. <laughs> the fact that you're using Alberto Moreno as as like an analogy to this one is, <laughs> or as a reference, is all that you need to know uh, that it was a Stonewall penalty too. Yeah. So Lovren's, I don't know, maybe those get called all the time. Right. And for us, like, it, it's deserved because <laughs> there's been <laughs> – there's been countless times where we haven't gotten them yeah. right, and so it's about time that those fifty fifty calls go our way. Yeah, what what blows my mind about the pens is that they, no one has mentioned once the stat that Liverpool got one penalty at home in the league all of last season. Because no one can't. brings it up. <laughs> it's so it's not. I, I won't go out now to call it like corruption, but it is blatant. It's like blatant officiating bias. Yeah. To because even now it's like oh you can't like even managers and coaches are bringing it up like you can't let you know you can't be influenced by the cop and that's there that's in the mindset and so I think it's it's dicey for <laughs> for any type of mainstream pundits to bring it up because then you know 
then then you lose a paycheck too. But <laughs> what's what the, what's interesting that I'm seeing is this growing kind of groundswell of fans, mostly Everton supporters, not surprisingly. Um, but also, was it? I can't remember what manager it just was saying. Like, uh, not Alan. Was it Hodgson saying, or, or somebody saying, like Tottenham play, like can't breathe on Tottenham players, or something like that? Yeah. Uh, but it was just about like the big six in general, right? And so now I'm noticing this, not just kind of like this subtle hints, but a growing trend of this clubs outside, kind of you know the the typical top six kind of build up like this oh the top six players are all like they die they go down too easier right which which there's absolutely no statistical analysis to back it up (laughs) whatsoever that i've seen right but it's this growing trend that uh, uh, that i I don't know what the purpose is to maybe you know parts of minds approach to to try to get more benefits or maybe it's just the the other clubs getting desperate because the top not necessarily top six, but the top clubs have been so dominant this year too. But right. yeah, that's that's something I hope I I never have to see again. Yeah, I saw a uh, I saw a post by Simon Evans, who I believe is an American uh, like soccer writer, um, but he actually had a tweet, and for the most part, he is he's pretty good. Um, but his uh, his tweet was basically that the gap between the teams at the very top and the teams in the middle of the premier league, uh, is because they, re- the teams at the top receive such bias in refereeing decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I said, have you watched a game? Like, have you seen these yeah. teams play? Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. And, it, and it's something that I think, I think Everton and Bournemouth were the two teams that won the most penalties in the league last year. So they're, <laughs> I don't I don't know where that comes from um yeah, in terms of the bias but sense. but no one wants to look at the stats. That's why we're here. We're tr- here to, you know, bash down the narratives um and try to <laughs> try to make make sense of what's going on. So speaking of um of stats, this one is has been flying around social media a lot and that is the joint top, top scorer of the Premier League Pierre Emerick Aubameyang uh Ooh. had 13 touches of the ball in the game against Liverpool and six of them were kickoffs. <laughs> is that real? That Did is we real. Check that that, that, is, that I, is real. I it's one of those I couldn't believe. But at first, like after seeing the first half, um, I, I think I was a, a couple beers at the airport into it. But uh, I saw that stat pop, stat pop up, and I thought, was that you know Arsenal in general? Because I felt like we <laughs> you know we dominated so well. But, right. But no, like un unbelievable and to me it was all it was all due to that that tweet we were talking about earlier where the guy like you know so many people like predicted all oh, like bombing like masterclass like <laughs> you know van dyke will be outed as the fraud that he is and <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't like making predictions right so but no it's just you know it's a testament to I mean, a man, a man that needs no more plaudits from us, Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I mean, when you have a, a performance like that over a, a striker that is as good, you know, Aubameyang is is a great player. Um, he's one of, like, the stats don't lie. He's got he's got goals in him, and I mean, this leads me to another discussion about Arsenal and that they've fooled the whole league into thinking, you know, like. <laughs> 
I mean, imagine Liverpool with Suarez and us saying like, oh yeah, we hopefully we finish, you know, in the top six. Un- like underdogs. <laughs> yeah. We're the underdogs. Like us going and get getting just thwacked five one is totally acceptable. Um, because they're just a better team or whatever. Uh yeah. It's uh, Emery is a is a wizard, I think. Um but for for him to come in to that game and be the focal point, you know, Lacazette doesn't play. They play Ramsey like they specifically put people in position to support Aubameyang like on the break um, mostly, and then Liverpool have their have their system in place where Aubameyang every time that he got the ball he was either uh, you know shepherded into a bad pass or or down a blind alley or he was offside, um, and so he was completely taken out of the game. Yeah. I, I was stunned that they didn't go with Lacazette from the start with Lacazette and Aubameyang, especially with, you know, Lacazette, I think is so, is so dangerous from typically like kind of drifting, drifting to the left a little bit. I mean, even what the, the equalizer against us earlier, earlier this year kind of happened like that. So if there's, if there's maybe a point that you target in this defense, you probably look at, Trent and you look at Lovren and say, you know, we can we can kind of load up. You could even probably do it in like a four three three. So I think Arsenal just kind of came out wrong, um, and and left a lot of that quality on the bench for, you know, Maitland Niles scored. Well, we provided the assist, but still some of those names I see pop up, and I'm just like, this this isn't the typical Arsenal. That the, the quality that we're used to seeing, and those are the two players that actually contributed to the goal. But <laughs> I, I just thought it was a mistake not to go with both Lacazette and Aubameyang because I mean, like like we saw, it, you can't just send one, you can't just send one attacker against right. against the defense because Van Dyke will completely nullify him. And I mean, there's there's normal type of nullifying, and then there's the type of stat that we get flown around where you get the majority of your touches from a kickoff. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, again, credit to Van Dyke, but also Arsenal Arsenal should have been a little bit more ambitious, I think, in their approach. Yeah, I, I it was shocking in, in how kind of the lineup made it feel like it was damage limitation and not yeah. they were going to win that game. Um they had uh you know a tough matchup against Fulham uh in a couple of days after, so maybe he was resting them so they he could make sure they got the three points today. <laughs> Whenever them. Fulham is looming, you can't take you can't take any chances. <laughs> Just two defensively inept teams were going at it today between Arsenal and Fulham. Yeah. And, you know, Arsenal just kind of got by by, you know, the skin of their teeth. It was it was just the case of who had the better finishers, um, because both teams had loads of chances. Like <laughs> Fulham legitimately had a case to go in go in at halftime two one up, uh and and they just fluffed their lines. Um but anyways, the uh the one area of the defense that and you brought it up a little earlier where we looked a little vulnerable um early on it it seemed like it got better as the game wore on um but was at fullback with with Trent and uh mainly Andrew Robertson for the first time maybe in his Liverpool career and certainly this season <laughs> looking a Wait. little bit vulnerable uh down down our left um it's... do you think he's just like feeling starting to feel the weight of basically playing every minute of every game for a full season or a full half a season now? No, I don't think so. I mean, imagine 
so what in terms of the build up to their goal, what happens is that we try to play it out. We kind of get stuck, lever and boots it long. Not necessarily a terrible pass, but you know Arsenal do have some quality there, so they they they're quick to counter. Lovren's out of. I thought I wouldn't say it. Lovren's out of position, his tackles <laughs> like he can do, and then they put in kind of an early cross, and Roberts and Trent are both kind of up the up the field a little bit, right? In anticipation of of the play. So, I don't. It it's it was what 10, 11, 12 minutes into the match. So I'm not going to say it was down to like tired legs or, or feeling anything. I think you know just a, a quality attack got off uh, got off a decent goal. Um, and no, if anything, I was kind of looking at like Van Dyke for for wondering why he didn't <laughs> clear the danger as he typically did. But that you know he was he was still kind of protecting that role as Lovren had drifted over too. But no, sometimes you just have to kind of tip your hat to a goal, and there doesn't have to be anybody at fault for it. And I and I don't think you know legs are getting to Robertson too. But maybe it's something that we have to look at if Moreno is on is is on Klopp's shit list then. You know, maybe it's reinforcement time, um, <laughs> or maybe it's back. just full faith in Klein. Yeah. I don't know. I he don't did. know. I'm okay with with more with more Natty Klein. <laughs> he did come on at the end of the game, and he actually was pretty eager to get forward and try to try to attack on the left, which was which was nice to see. Um, Robbo does, uh, you know, if he if there is any fault at all whatsoever in the goal, he immediately or almost immediately makes amends by playing one of the best passes. Uh, I think it was about 60 yards. It's from inside our own half and puts it on a plate for solid to square to Mane for the third. Um, I, lo- I love that goal too. As much yeah. <laughs> as much as the Bobby Firmino goals were spectacular, I just love that. One, it, it, it highlights, and I don't know, maybe we just like to pick on Arsenal a little bit, but it's <laughs> kind of like how poor Arsenal are in defense, that retreating back and, and, and covering from right before that Robertson pass was horrendous. Sala completely unmarked and then just, you know, one times it to, to Mane too. So love that goal as well. But, you know, that's that's what you get from Robertson as well too. So, um, no, I, I'm, I'm giving everybody, even Lover in a pass because, you know, at the end it, we rattled off an extra five or five straight after that too. Yeah. So uh, Robbo uh, with, with that ball, it's the second goal that we've scored off of the clearance from a corner of ours uh, in recent yeah. times, because obviously Van Dyke gets his against Wolves uh, with Sala playing a similar ball back into the area uh, from kind of the a close closer in than Robbo, but but uh, from a similar kind of area out on the wing. Um, so I think that's something that we've actually probably worked on. Uh, <laughs> the the team's probably probably worked on in terms of yeah using that that situation to our advantage, but. But speaking of scything passes, uh, we saw one of the most ridiculous passes <laughs> from our goalkeeper. <laughs> Allison plays a wicked ball to Firmino that actually leads to to Salah's uh, penalty. Um, and uh, I mean, we knew that that Allison's distribution was good, but will you ever get used to seeing a goalkeeper play a pass like that? I mean, yes. <laughs> now, now, I mean, it's almost like when I when I was looking for Van Dyke to do more when when Arsenal scored the opener. Yeah, because you kind of you kind of get used to that level of 
of performance and distribution. And it's still, I don't know if it's still fully set in because of what our goalkeeping situation has been for, you know, even since Raina kind of tailed off towards the end there. Right. But just to fit in, I mean, I was thinking kind of long and hard about like who, who should get the credit for the way that we perform defensively too. And, you know, I, I kind of start with Van Dyke, but for, for Alisson to do, <laughs> to, to be that kind of rock that we've always needed, but then also to add to that attacking one too, I think it gives, it gives our attackers another level, which quite frankly, isn't fair. And, and, and to city's credit too, it's always a, you know, when, when Ederson does something, when Allison does something, it's always like, Oh, you know, best with their feet, best distribution, best goalkeeper, whatever. I don't think there's any question Allison's the best right now in just in terms of shot stopping, but also being a part of an attack uh, and build up play as well. Um, but both teams, it's it's almost not fair, right? If we're looking to to point blame for why these these top sides are dominating so heavily, when you've got it, it's it, it's it is it's an extra player, it's an extra player, and that makes it almost unstoppable to to try to control or or to defend these teams right you might get the odd error from them but the level that they're at and what they provide and it's bizarre to say that but it's almost on both areas of the pitch considering that they're limited to about a six yard space so uh, it's still surreal but i think we're gonna (laughs) i'm looking forward to the point where we take it for granted yeah i mean we can we can see that we basically in terms of outfield players we play a one four two three one in this game yeah (laughs) allison being one of the the outfield players essentially um the we saw it against burnley uh where he restarts an attack with a throw out to start you know just a an absurd throw right onto the right onto the foot here it's a it's a a long uh punt you know just that flat trajectory that's right for me, yeah. just collects and um, yeah, it's just it, it's he really has you know he's contributed although he doesn't have that assist yet that we're all uh, it will happen <laughs> it will happen at some point but the uh, but his contributions to goals um, it it's already apparent um, and not to mention the goals that he's saving um, at you know at our end uh, he's also contributing to the attack. Even earlier in the season, he was fairly high up, maybe like top 50 in terms of XG chain. So I think that's one, right? XG chain is the one without factoring in, like if you remove, I think like direct goal shots or assists. Yeah. Um, and it's just in terms of build up play, which, you know, favors defenders. But he was like top, I don't know if it was like top 25, top 50. Um, I think Ederson was around there too, but strangely enough, I think we, we were complaining, or at least I was at the start of the year from this little kind of blip of people that would list formations with the goalie, like, Oh, Liverpool lining up in a one, four, three, three today. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. We're like, we're not here for that. But maybe they were just like predicting what was to come in terms of what we've seen from, you can cap it a little bit from Chelsea, you know, just this, this new style of it's not even like Neuer when when he was kind of not necessarily at his peak, but a few years ago when he was just a class above, like operating as a sweeper keeper. It's not just that, but it's it's almost just like 
uh, I don't even I don't even know how to describe it. Like whatever the most bizarro like football manager term is for like positional player in distribution, like add that on to goalie is is what these <laughs> is what these players are delivering. Yeah, it's uh it I mean it's been it's been an incredible transformation for us um in in that position, I think and it's <laughs> it it is it's just it adds it also adds a level of comfort about about these games where now you know conceding a goal is seen as a complete aberration and um it's just that is i think more so than anything what what i'm still getting used to in the fact that we have now played 20 conceded 8 in the league <laughs> i couldn't believe it. i saw it i think when it was <coughs> after the 18th match or whatever and i think what it was at 7 yeah. or something like that and I was like, that that can't be real. When I was like, we haven't played that many games, and even if we had, it wouldn't be possible to give up to give up that few. But it's it's it, it just kind of the highlight. If we're you know kind of putting looking at 2018 in like in the rearview mirror now, the the turnaround and the progress that we've seen hasn't come with a trophy under Klopp, but it's undeniable to go from just arguably one of the worst defense, the worst defense of any kind of top six team to out and out the best defense in the league. I, I, I just don't know. I was going to say, I don't know how we do it. I know how you do it. You spend 75 million on a center back. You spend 60 million on a goalkeeper, <laughs> but you do it the right way and you get the person that you want because others look at Arsenal, like Arsenal's defense is not because they're not investing, you know, they're spending big money, but they're they're kind of half-assing it, you know. Right. We kind of went all in with both Allison and Van Dyke, and and you kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of the transformation uh, over over the the last year or so, um, we saw quite a quite a different look in midfield for us. Uh, one that I've come to know. This is the Fabinho, Genie Vinaldum, and Shakiri midfield, which is a little disingenuous because we know Shakiri kind of plays on the wing, but he yeah. kind of operates in the you know Klopp and Klopp and Pep's favorite favorite word the half space. Um, yeah. So I'm counting it. Um, but the Fab Genie Shack, uh, aka the Kazam, <laughs> uh, the Kazam midfield. Um, so the the midfield, as as we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, um, it was primarily you know that two of of genie and and fabinho um and genie puts in just an absolutely crazy performance in midfield bosses the whole game and and everybody's favorite midfielder uh terrera is basically played off the park by a guy who came up as a as a winger wait <laughs> winger to, i couldn't <laughs> believe watching genie i was trying it, the performance was so good, it it even overshadowed some of Jeannie's other performances. Where I started thinking back, and I couldn't I couldn't remember the last time that Jeannie was playing in the six, giving the ball away, or even misplacing a pass. So I think he's gotta have like hundred percent ball retention, a hundred percent pass accuracy, because he's just, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable the amount of of control that he has, especially against an Arsenal team that was kind of kind of you know, both sides were looking to almost pack the midfield, I think, a little bit with four, two, three, ones. 
maybe initially too. So no, I mean, it was it, it genie in a six is like, it allows you to do what he, what he does, which we don't really kind of pay attention to if he's in an eight, um, or, or in, in maybe a little bit more attacking role too. I like to see him there, but he's just so good at that. You know, he's not necessarily a defensive player, but his ability to control, keep the ball and distribute is, is what makes him so effective against the top sides and what has kind of been, I don't know, almost like, uh, you know, kind of our chit in our back pocket that we have for, for, and for why we're performing higher, I think this year against some of the, uh, the other top six clubs than we have, uh, uh, the previous year. Yeah. I mean, it is, like you said, it's, it's crazy to watch because it just, it literally feels like he's out there with any, he doesn't make one mistake ever. Um, and the one time I, I do believe there was one time that he, um, that he gave the ball away. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I but think he immediately it wins it back. And that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Like, so, uh, in this, in this match, um, he was, he had an, uh, 87% pass, pass success, completed three dribbles, one an aerial duel, won three tackles, um, and uh, and he was dispossessed just once, and he wasn't dribbled past once in the game. Um, <laughs> so that's that that kind of sums up. Torreira was dribbled past. He had never been dribbled past more than once in any match this season, and he was dribbled past five times in this match. <laughs> so uh, just to just to add some statistical context to the uh, to the proceedings, but it was a credit to also the other balance that we have with. One, Fabinho being such a solid defensive six, but also having that attacking mindset, right? Like Fabinho had – was this the Arsenal game or am I mixing up where Salah kind of played him through uh, and Fabinho kind of missed the target? That was that was right towards the end of, of Arsenal. Um, yeah, yeah, or yeah, getting yeah. getting towards the end. Yeah, he plays Fabinho in and he yeah. has a low shot to the near post, but, but it was saved. And I, it's just it, – it's almost a sneaky midfield three – that you have there. It doesn't always take the same shape. It's normally, and I'm okay with calling it a double pivot because <laughs> there's no, normally when, when people talk about like a four, two, three, one with double pivot, there's, there's a clear six, like maybe even, but Chelsea don't really play this way. Like a Jorginho and a, and a Conte. Like, yeah, more, I guess more how they used to play with Conte. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like yeah. those, the, the Conte, like Matic type, Right. Type four two three one for Chelsea. Like that to me is a double pivot because there's no out and out attacker. It's two kind of balanced defensive players, but both may have the freedom to get forward. And I think that's what we kind of see with. And even when Henderson came on, I really liked it because he like he's bombing forward. He has this freedom now to like run around reckless. You, it's okay to be dribble pass because you've got Fabinho still there, but. But you've got this better balance too between Minaldum and Fabinho now that we just we haven't had before because we haven't had that type of player in Fabinho too. So I think it it complements I think it complements Wijnaldum well too. And I'm I'm hoping we haven't talked much about you know the signing I think we might have been most excited about was Navi Keita. Yeah. But I, I, I'm thinking it will complement him as well, but not in a double pivot. But in a way that allows Kaita more free reign in that middle role with a with a two to get forward more so than Genie does. Um, 
I don't know if we necessarily need that against Arsenal's and Cities, but but seeing it against a lot of the others too. I I, I just like this four two three one, um, because I think it offers us so many different outlets in in both attack but also control in the middle. So uh, we we asked the we asked the question now. Um, well, we we didn't mention Shakiri as much, and you know we talked about him as the wild card in this game, but he does end up playing pretty well um he has he has a good game plays in sala a couple of times um with those outside of the foot passes in behind um which are just so like (laughs) beautiful to watch they really are um so shakiri shakiri plays well fabinho has a couple of hiccups i think early in the game he gets the ball away once um but i mean immediately kind of kind of gets that kind of gets that out and and once we uh, once we had asserted control, he was, I didn't worry about him, you know, another time, uh, in the game, but, um, but with that, with that, those three players being the most likely, um, to change for city, would you want to see a similar approach or do you think Klopp's got something else up his sleeve for city? I don't know. Again, my question mark too was, in, in terms of the form formation, a lot of it was down to Shakiri, right? And can we, you know, is it going to be a four-two-three-one? Is it going to be a four-three-three, or is it probably going to be more like a four-two-four? Um, <laughs> and the four-two-four might work against some teams, but I don't think it will really work against Arsenal or the Cities. So, but it, but it did. It, it he kept shape. He was. I mean, when I watch Shakiri, he's. He's almost the opposite of Jordan Henderson. And that's not a knock on Henderson, but Shakiri receives the ball, and every single time he's looking up, he's looking to play, play somebody in. He's one of the more direct players, uh, probably the most direct player that we have. Um, but it's can you, can you keep control? Can you keep shape? And I think he showed that against Arsenal too. I just don't know, does, does Klopp kind of have the faith or the belief in, in what what has worked so well previously against City to change that in the face of, I think, what what is now benefiting the team as a whole and I think individual players. Um, maybe Firmino's the, the outlier there, although the Arsenal match kind of showed us that he can, he can contribute at, at the level that we've seen before. So um, so if you're if you're picking for your for city what what's your three then if i'm picking i'd probably or, go or your shape. fabinho i think you keep you just swap shakiri for nabby if i'm going against city because the two most impressive players what we have in terms of pressing and winning winning the press i think per 90 is nabby and fabinho which would be huge against City because we're going to need that. And I think also Genie, that allows Genie to kind of play the Genie role. But I just don't see Klopp handing the starting spot to Naby after, you know, he's didn't get any minutes against Arsenal. Maybe he's resting him. I don't know. But I, I would figure he'd get, at least see a little bit of action too. Um, but that would be my three because I think even though he, he played well against Arsenal, I think Naby gives us a little bit more control and shape um, which is something that we're going to desperately need against City. Yeah, I think uh, I think the I think Nabi not getting in against City was actually more of a indication that he will play. Um, yeah, from the start, I think 
Klopp has kind of shown this season that he is being very thoughtful about who's playing and, and when, and that's why, you know, that's why Mane comes off on 60, you know, like, yeah, it's game over. It's four one. It you know there is no there's no reason to to keep to keep Mane out there. Um, and let's you know let's get a little bit more control, and let's get Henderson some minutes as well, um, just to keep him fresh. But I do think I think that it will be. Um, I think Keita will get in, um, and then I think it's a a matter of whether he goes with Fabinho or Henderson. Um, with Genie in the two, um, I think that's what he'll what he'll go for. I yeah. would I would personally, like you said, I'd like to see Fabinho and Keita in there because I do think that that gives City the biggest questions. Because um, Henderson obviously is good in terms of his ability to keep the kind of keep possession and and keep the ball moving around, but he's definitely not the um, he's not the guy that you want uh, if De Bruyne is running towards the edge of the area and and we need someone to stop him. That's yeah. That's Henderson is not that guy. Um, so I'm I'm hoping I think Nobby especially um, playing where he has for us. I think he will kind of congest those wide areas as well. Um, and with the problems that City are having at fullback, I think I think that's an area that we really need to yeah. to focus on. Was it? Early in the season, was it Babu or somebody else that put out stats that called it like the the Keita zone of death? Yeah, yeah, it was Babu. Where absolutely no no attack, no build up went into that, and it, you know he hasn't contributed in terms of goals or assists, but it, it's obvious the talent that he has, and I think against City, sometimes that can be the difference maker, right? Just somebody that can pick up just a moment of brilliance and provide quality to, you know, to bag a goal that, you know, might be 20 yards out or to beat a couple of defenders too. So I think Kaita gives us, Kaita gives us that. And really, I mean, I, I don't know if you've got, I, I'm thinking now, even after saying it about the dynamic of Fabinho, uh, Keita and Wijnaldum, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what role Wijnaldum might play in that. And ideally it goes back to that, lineup I think we wanted to see at the start of the season where we had Naby, we had Fabinho and we've got Hendo in kind of that like free reign, like causing terror and havoc, being able to get out <laughs> wide and put, put some Hendo crosses in. But <laughs> it's almost, it almost feels like a pipe dream at this point. Cause we just haven't seen that dynamic happen at all this year. So to say, Hey, that's what I want for city. <laughs> doesn't doesn't really make any sense, but right. I think if you, as opposed to like dropping a deeper six like Fabinho, if you've kind of got that Fabinho Wijnaldum, uh not necessarily a pivot, but just there for control, and then you've got Naby a little bit more forward to to create space. Um, it's almost like the role that Ox played for us last season, um, but maybe on the left instead of the right. Yeah, I was gonna actually point to um, the. You know, Ox's coming out party essentially last year was City at at Anfield just after, just you know, just after the New Year, um, when he scored the opener and and generally played extremely well um, in that yeah. game and kind of showed himself as having arrived because up until that point he'd been pretty limited in his involvement and contribution. You know, he'd scored a couple of uh, like late goals. Um, uh, you know, against like 
Maribor and Swansea, but he hadn't hadn't really <laughs> hadn't really done a whole lot um, in terms of contri- uh, contributing in the league. So um, I don't know. We could see a repeat performance if Nobby if Nobby gets a shot. We could see the uh, more of the coming out party of, of Nobby as as a force in our midfield, and and hopefully that hopefully that does occur. <laughs> I think because what a lot of City fans are saying like, oh, it's going to be reversed like last year. It was Liverpool that ended City's unbeaten run. But I think it could be more of the same. Just like you said, Oxide is coming out party. This could be Navi's time to shine. So uh, as we as we reminisce about, about Ox, um, I think oh. now is as good a time as any to, to move into our, our 2018 in review, our, our retrospective look at, at the last year in, in Liverpool. Um, and I'm going to start it off just by quickly going through some of the, the listener moments and just let me know if there's anyone that you want to discuss any further. Um, a lot of these are going to be pretty, pretty big consensus, but there's some, some really cool moments in here that we got from listeners. So I want to give them the, uh, the shout out, uh, for having contributed. Um, so I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, First, we have at Majdus, which is kind of like Brian Laz. There's there's three <laughs> there's three O's. Um, so you know, un, unknown if if it's an unnecessary amount. But uh, Majdus uh, says Salah's goal against City in the second in the second leg, um, just such a huge sigh of relief. My hands were shaking the whole time before that. <laughs> I think I think we can all relate to that. That was. Uh, that was fully clenched uh, during that second oh, leg. Yeah. It, I don't want to pretend like I'm tougher than anybody else, but I don't. I, I don't like that one just because. And I can completely understand for anybody who wants that as their favorite moment, of course, because it was this like I had a work meeting going on and like yeah. <laughs> we're at a restaurant and it's on in the background and they score early and then you see that so I'm sitting there like you know the just complete release. I can breathe easy, but it's just – it's almost like I don't want us to be that like the sigh of relief was our was our quintessential moment of, of 2018. But I, not, not taking anything away from that. That, that hell of a moment. Uh, so <laughs> uh, at you're on Claude 9, Claude Z's, she's uh, uh, El, Paso, El Paso Red. Um, hers was also Salah's goal versus Man City, but specifically set to the tune of – uh, my heart will go on from the movie Titanic. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to be pick, picking on all of these people too, because that one is much better when played with the saxophone solo. Yes, from, what, what? <laughs> Baker Street. <laughs> no, I can't believe we haven't mentioned her yet in any of our pod. Is that her first shout out? That might be her first shout out. I think so. Hell of a red, great yeah. account to follow too. So we'll we'll make sure that we got all these uh, on the Twitter follow up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, another another great red out of El Paso, Alan at a Parza, uh, Mane copying celebrations from Firmino just to find out <laughs> later that Bobby was stealing them from Mane. <laughs> that I can get on board with. That yeah. one I can get on board with. <laughs> Alan, uh, Alan, another just top red. Uh, M- McGlinius, um, he uh, he says everything. So there was no he didn't he didn't go out on a limb, which. He could have he could have stuck his neck out a little bit more than that, but <laughs> I mean it's hard I to can't. argue it's hard to argue with 
Uh, well, so what do you mean it's hard? Of course it's easy to argue. <laughs> I would say, you know, maybe Salah not getting his arm dislocated by Ramos in the Champions yeah. League final. <laughs> that is not the best part of 2018. So, But I, I, I like it in terms of something I was talking to Bobby with a little bit about recently on Twitter was like, how do we capture progress without trophies? Right. Like, can you capture progress in a moment? So I think just saying like 2018 as a whole. Yeah. Pretty good ride. Pretty yeah. good ride. Pretty pretty amazing. Uh, at Connell Doniger, um, another guy who's who interacts with us quite a bit on on Twitter. Uh, yep. Salah's first goal in the five two against Roma. Not only an incredible goal, but the start of realizing that we were actually going to make it to the final. <laughs> <laughs> that one I love. That one I love. Yeah, I think that realization is what because uh, combined with the fact that it was just an absolute screamer. Um, there was such a, re- that was such a release of like joy, you know, that was like to go one up at home and yeah. to, we had kind of been knocking on the door and like, maybe we were going to create something and then to just open the scoring that way. And what followed incredible, um, uh, at, uh, Al Zox, I think Al Zox. Yeah. Um, he, he uses the commentary from this moment. I can't, I can't fault him at all. The ox. He can hit one. Oh, he can hit one. Yeah, I'm down with that. That was the second goal at at home against City. If this is going to be one of your favorite moments, then ignore the question. What was your favorite goal against City in that Champions League run? Because a lot of the favorite moments were different goals scored throughout those two legs against City. Yeah. um, Is is one of them your favorite moment? Because if not, we'll save it. No, no, it's not my, it's not one of my favorites. Um, but my favorite goal from the two legs is, uh, I think it probably is actually Ox's because it's just yeah. like a complete, it's a, it's a <laughs> fucking screamer. And then, and it was just out of nowhere. Like there's the foul and you're sitting there yelling at the, you know, yelling like, like that's a foul, you know, like, and he plays advantage yeah. and just smashes it in the top corner. It's hard to argue with that, even though there was, you know, more work that needed to be done um, to, to see yeah. the tie out. I don't, I don't know why, but because Ox's goal was probably the most impressive, but just Mane's absolute like left footed pile driver was <laughs> just my favorite, my favorite of the group. Oh, so. from the, from the league. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from from all those from all the games against City, well, I guess if if I'm going for the one in the league as well, then it's probably Firmino's chip in the in the league. Oh, the curled chip. Yeah, yeah that that would probably be my my favorite. Um, so yeah, the uh, lots of good goals last season. Yeah, you know, it's hard to, over the last year. We've had some absolute like just some some <laughs> cracking goals like that's why i want navi in the side versus city right because <laughs> he can there, do that there's some glossos in there yeah he was this close against burnley joe hart joe hart needs out of football after saving <laughs> that so um at uh brian stl um after a sidewalk tailgate before anything was open Watching our local uh, LFC pub, the Union Jack pub, fill with Reds hours before the Champions League final kickoff. Uh, resourceful indie Reds moved tables and chairs out, out the window to make a larger <laughs> standing area for all, and we sung a bit. So it's nice to have a moment for the final that is positive. Um, you know, because obviously the game itself, 
uh, didn't go to plan, but it's cool to hear, you know, kind of that, the supporter side of it. Cause we've, we've yeah. gone through, um, you know, the supporter, <laughs> the supporter struggles. Um, so it's cool to hear, uh, from Indy, especially, um, the Reds just really, really going off for the champions league final. Yeah. Even a little bitter, yeah, a little bitter about all champions league memories, but, but no, you can't, you can't take that aspect away from it too, is, you know, you always get for those huge, huge events, you get, you know, a huge number of reds turning out too. So, right. Um, so this one, this is another really cool one and, and kind of personal one for it's at Quillichore, um, Linda, um, she was in the hospital for 21 days of December and who showed up the most for me, fellow reds from my lovely, uh, LFC Columbus, Ohio family, uh, That's hashtag awesome. YNWA indeed. So that, that is really cool. It's good to hear. She is actually doing better now. She's out of the hospital. Everything's, everything's good. Um, but it is awesome to hear stories like that. Just Liverpool supporters coming together, um, in, in tough times like that. Cause that's kind of, it's kind of what this is all about at the end of the day. Um, yeah. um, so on the, on the lighter side, this is towards the end and, and kind of right before we start recording, uh, at Evgenary, uh, Liz, um, is her na- actual name, but. Yeah. Uh Liz said I'm going with Salah's daughter. Uh she's referring to the uh after he won the golden boot. His daughter was out on the field and uh kicking the ball around and the cheer- you know the crowd is cheering for for her and then Salah takes the ball <laughs> off her and <laughs> and they start booing. Um but That's she what, all all of those <laughs> that you just mentioned are all another reason why we gravitate towards this club. Yeah. Right? Like all of and yeah, there's some shit accounts on LFC Twitter too, but that's the type of dy- dynamic that exists in, you know, whether it's like three or four of us in El Paso or like Columbus or Chicago, Chicago, where they're pulling like, you know, 200 people for a match and the bar is completely packed too. So I, yeah. I, that I love seeing too, even though my notifications kind of got flooded, um, <laughs> Because it was like, what other club will you say like where, you know, you posted kind of the our, our official two reg ringos like, hey, tell us your 2018 ones. And and I was actually struggling to come up with mine. So I posted that. <laughs> and the most the most responses that I got was all like, oh, yeah, it's definitely Salah's Salah's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is is what is is so incredible uh, about this fan club. Yeah. Um, she went on to add, uh, she said, add to this, uh, this club and supporters rallying around Sean Cox and his family. So the, the support, the Irish supporter who was, who was stabbed yeah. outside of the Roma match, um, Hendo with the flag clops pin, the GoFundMe constant requests for updates. Uh, the small moments are so revealing, um, is basically what she was saying. Also <laughs> the quirky moments that remind you it's a game and it's fun. Uh, Milner's early Twitter post of him ironing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Salah's goal against Arsenal from uh, at Anfield last season, as seen from the tunnel and set to the belly, Benny Hill theme. <laughs> and your your probably favorite group, a crazy group of supporters uh, that worship James Pierce. <laughs> the Pierce. I'm still. I I haven't seen them as much recently, but like the little Pierce fan club that whoever does Photoshop. God bless them, and I'm not good at it either, but they are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but they always just put, like, their heads over, like, 
the, the LSE squad and put like Pierce in there too. So gotta love him. <laughs> um, a, uh, a two red gringos hall of famer, Babu Yagu chimed in. He said, for me, it's silly, but it's when Lovren met Virgil van Dyke for the first time. He was saying a quick hi to his new teammates getting off the coach. Lovren stopped, had a chat, asked how everything went. It was a moment to show there was no fear of losing his place. He was just welcoming. So, yeah, I was a little uh, a little shocked by Baba's love for for Loverin with that tweet, and I'm starting to question uh, his Hall of Fame status. Hall of Fame status now with all this Loverin love, but no, his <laughs> already in the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, the that is kind of it is cool, and it's something that I think has kind of shown through throughout this you know this, the beginning of this season in that uh, we've seen just the kind of harmony of the squad. And there's there's no bitterness in in the team. It doesn't seem like, you know, even people who have fought and, and started in the past, like, you know, Sturridge, Origi, um, Lalana, guys who, you know, who we've in the past, you know, criticized as well. Um, they they all see, I think, that they have something special on their hands and they're they've really come together um, and everyone's kind of it seems working. They're all working towards a towards a common goal right now. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those too, like even, you know, the fringe players all, all kind of have their moments from Sturridge to, to Rigi all kind of have their moments throughout 2018 too. So, um, so we had another, uh, at DCC one, three, four, um, David, he says, uh, the only answer is a Rigi's goal. (laughs) (laughs) That was close for me. That was it's, close for me. It's very close. I mean, it, there's so much about that. We can talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much about that goal that is just perfect. And, I mean, the, the kind of knock-on effect, as they would call it, of the fact that from the time that happened, Liverpool have not lost. That's skyrocketed. <laughs> and the Ev can't. They have, they're <laughs> absolutely plummeting. Like, the fact that we've basically destroyed their season with with a shanked shanked volley <laughs> misplayed by the keeper off the bar falls to an unused striker who heads it in uh, unbelievable so um uh the last one the last one i have is uh from at shenanigator uh garrett says uh, for me it was the shakiri bicycle kick in michigan because it was the best goal i'd ever seen in person and I was about a hundred feet away. I know it didn't mean anything competitively, <laughs> but I don't mind. <laughs> no, that was a good shout. That was yeah. a good show. Anything that you see live, like when we saw Suarez at the World Cup drop two on England, like it's just special. It's just special. If only you know preseason tickets didn't cost one hundred and fifty dollars. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks, thanks to all the all the people who sent in uh, moments because it's it is fun reminiscing now. You know, especially after a year, we haven't had a fun. <laughs> year to talk about at Liverpool in quite some time, at least since this podcast started uh, five seasons ago. (laughs) We've had some fun, but over the course of a year, and that's even with, you know, the Champions League heartbreak still there. But, but I don't know that when I was thinking about my, my own kind of big moment or favorite moment from this year, it's tough to look it's tough to say something that's happened this season because we don't know what's going to come of it, right? right? It's tough to say, you know, Ox's goal against City because we know what happened after it. So in the moment, I, I, 
in the moment, it might have been Ox's gold, right? Uh-huh. Like just the feeling or even I, I kind of poke fun of it, but like Sala's goal to give us that sigh of relief of saying like, we're kind of here getting through to Roma. Like all of those were just huge. And even the way that we started uh, against Madrid, but just every taking into context and everything, uh, even I said that we were trying to kind of sum up how do you capture progress? Yeah. And so I think, I think it's, Verge's debut goal to sink the ev is my favorite moment because one just you know we had a we had a decent crowd in the doghouse uh, to watch that it was it was pretty surreal because <laughs> maybe even more so than Origi's goal like it was just I don't know because with Pickford's little T Rex arms and Origi just scoring like some bullshit goal that was pretty incredible but for Verge to to score the winner against Ev on his debut, that to me was like in the moment was incredible, but also it was a representation of what has been ushered in throughout this year that has just been so, uh, it's like night and day between what we've been used to with this Liverpool team are being comfortable with the lead as in what we've only dropped two points in the 18-19 season from a winning position against Arsenal, right? So going from where we were before, which was always, even last year, right? Like even last year in the Champions League leading up to it, like, <laughs> oh, we're not safe with, with a three-goal lead against City or even against Roma. So to have this like assuredness now that exists, really, and you, and you can give credit to Allison, you can give credit to Robertson, to Gomez, to Trent, you just can't deny that it, it was almost like we flipped a switch when Ver- when Verge arrived, and this what we've become as a team now. That to me is, is is a great kind of symbol of what was that great moment mixed with something that kind of captures the progress that we've shown. That uh, that I think uh, makes a lot of sense. It was definitely high on the list because I mean, for to sign a player like that. And bring him in, and in his first match, he beats your direct crosstown <laughs> rivals with a goal in stoppage time. Yeah, you know, like I mean, that's that is stuff. Like people always make fun of commentators who say, you know, you can't write scripts like this type thing. Yeah, you that is out of a movie. <laughs> that is that is some like Hollywood BS that that Verge pulled, and uh, and so it's it's crazy, and I think it just. It it also immediately it had that kind of effect of it immediately took away any questions about the about the price tag. All of the oh, conversation yeah. was immediately shifted to <laughs> debut goal against against Everton, um, and there was there was no question from there. Obviously, he's proven in spades, you know, beyond the <laughs> the one goal, uh, you know, why we why we paid the money for him. Um, but it was that was a moment where it was it just seemed too good to be true. Um, <laughs> and mixed with, uh, having just a, a great effect personally for the player, I think, yeah. um, in taking the pressure off, um, for, for me, I struggled as well because there's a lot of moments I can think about where, like you said, like your personal place, uh, while watching the match, like whether it's on a phone or whether you're just getting Twitter updates in a meeting, <laughs> or you know because of the time that especially champions league like the time that games are played like that is peak like people are doing oh, you know, yeah. like that is when meetings are scheduled for for whatever reason in the united states um 
And so your, your like situation affects these moments so much. Um, so the, the two, because obviously like a lot of awesome moments have been, and, and I always think back to, you know, where I was, there's a couple where I was literally sitting in the back of a Humvee in, (laughs) in the woods in central Texas. (laughs) Uh, and you know, there's people sitting in the front and all of a sudden they just, I'm, I'm in like the covered area in the back. And when Salah's first against Roma flies in, I'm jumping out of the back of the, <laughs> like <laughs> running around. People are, people are, you know, questioning my sanity. But, um, but when I think about the, the ones that I enjoy the most, it's when I have, when I have the, you know, like the supporters there, like when you're in the bar yeah. and there's other people in it, you're just all kind of in it and uh so the one that got stolen from me by Tottenham from last year was Salah's what should have been the winner at Anfield yeah. uh, because I was in Austin and I literally you know from the bar stool that I was that I was uh <laughs> sitting slash standing at um <laughs> I I jumped onto a crowd of people like right there and we were just all <laughs> it was just a giant like mass of humanity like we were when the when that went in and Obviously, it was ruined just moments later, but because um, I'm I'm almost tempted to pick that just because it was such a cool kind of kind of moment for for us at the, at that specific time. It was, uh, but it didn't hold up. So the one that the one that sticks out to me um, is honestly one of the most important goals that didn't get us a result, um, and that's and that's Sturridge's equalizer at Chelsea. Yeah. Um it was one of the first matches that I actually got to watch back here with with the the El Paso Reds. Um and so that when that flew in just like the reaction of of the whole, you know, crew down there. We were at Rock and Cigar Bar for that one and just like the hugs handed out and like everybody's just going nuts. Um and then the effect of that goal too in the season where that's you know, it, no one would have would have held it against us if we had if we had lost to Chelsea, but getting points out of that out of that match has now left us you know in a in a situation where you know we're unbeaten still. <laughs> it's Janu- it's literally January first, and and we have not lost a league game. Um, and you know if if that Chelsea match stays the way it 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 it, it was, um, and we have a loss you know that early in the season especially off the back of losing to them in the league cup as well. Um, who knows, you know, what happens from there. So the fact oh, that yeah. that Studge tees one up from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 30 yards nearly and puts it in the top corner, just the, the surprise, the fact that it was Dan- Daniel Sturridge and the, just the, the joy that, that poured out uh, from there is, is what makes that for 2018, just kind of the, I don't know, the moment that I, that I remember the most um, with, with Bobby's winner against PSG being a, a very, very close second. <laughs> that one was great. I was with the um, the Phoenix crew for Bobby's winner too, and but but no, like yeah, same thing. Like for for Origi's winner against Everton, I was in. It talked about the San Miguel de Allende beer. I was actually in San Miguel <laughs> watching it like a coffee shop on my phone, you know. And so you're like kind of going crazy. You're trying to contain it a little bit, <laughs> but it does like and it it. I don't know, again, it's just a testament to all of those things that we hear, like, oh, the moments where, like, Loverin talking with Van Dyke. It was Salah's daughter. It was being at the match, being able to see it. There, I don't know. It's just so personal, too. And it's uh, that, to me, is what's so big is that we try to capture 
we try to capture these moments from 2018 where we had heartbreak, but then we've also had, you know, a, a record-breaking uh, Premier League run so far. So it, it, it's tough because, you know, like <laughs> we haven't had like a string of success since we've started this pod. So looking like the moment for Sturridge against Chelsea, uh, for Rigi, uh, even uh, you mentioned like the uh, Alisson Say versus Napoli, like just season-defining moments. And again, we don't know what direction it's going to go. And we may look back on this, like, you know, <laughs> in 2020 and say, oh, yeah, that was great, but X, Y, and Z happened afterwards too. So <laughs> for for right now, kind of living in the moment, um, all of those were just incredible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the couple that we that we didn't mention, I guess, well, we pretty much covered most of these. Um, and, uh, yeah, like we said, it, a perfect December eight, eight from eight, eight wins from eight. Um, and the perfect way to end 2018 top of the premier league table, um, and headed into a chance to, as weird as it is, a chance to, to put quite a distance between us and, and the chasing <laughs> field. Um, Rare, rarefied air that we're in right now here in, yeah, we're not here in January. It. No, <laughs> we've seen first before, but we haven't seen first with a cushion. Right. <laughs> um, so with a year like we've had, um, all year we have talked about the heroes, the heroes and villains of social media. <laughs> um, and I, I, I want to start with our, with our villains. So, what we're going to do is we're going to just talk briefly about our we've narrowed down the field which let's face it football twitter <laughs> has plenty of villains lurking in the in the shadows. It was tough. <laughs> tough to narrow down the villains. But, easy easier for the heroes. Here, easier in the hero but it's still still tough to narrow down only because there are there are you know plenty of of great great folks out there who are going to just miss the cut here. Um, <laughs> but we're going to we're going to talk about them a little bit and then we're going to put the villains and the heroes up to a vote on on twitter so vote for your favorite make sure that they win hero of the year there is no prize associated with this whatsoever but likely um in the future we'll try to have try to have our hall of famers and heroes on the show so that's a, um <laughs> if you if you vote for one ahead of the others then maybe we can prioritize a little bit if they'll grant us the uh the honor of of visiting but those folks that we don't want to hear from um, the villain category. Um, <laughs> we'll start there, and we'll start with one who this might surprise folks because it's kind of outside the the realm of our normal kind of football Twitter um, like sphere of influence in terms of the big Premier League teams. This account is more of a more of an American account. Yep. Um, and so we start with Kartik Krishnayer. Uh, who's involved in lower league soccer in the U.S. and and I don't fault him for that at all. Uh, you know, good on him for that. But he threw out an opinion uh, not that long ago about a friend of his asked what Atlanta United from the MLS would have to do to be <laughs> more like a Premier League side, and his response was they need to give the ball away in midfield more. I, I don't follow this guy enough to to go so far as to say that he was our villain of the year. Like I don't know him that well. 
But that was in a sea of shit takes. <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever read on Twitter. <laughs> because it was everything. It, it was the anti-Two Red Gringos tweet. I felt like it was designed and made to antagonize us. <laughs> in that, one, you're attacking the Premier League. And I've seen him go on, like, Premier League rants in general and uh-huh. saying, like, God's oh, overrated, you know, watch something else. But not just to underplay, like, the quality of the Premier League, which most people who know anything about sport know that the Premier League is probably, like, the pinnacle and the most competitive from top to bottom in terms of 1 to 20. But then to add in that little, like, ooh, this MLS team is far superior to most (laughs) Premier League teams was just so – it was just so, like, against everything that we hold dear (laughs) and so blatantly untrue that that was – that was probably the – I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say that he was my villain of the year, but that was the worst Twitter take of 2018. Yeah. Uh, closely, closely followed by the Arsenal account that that said that basically Arsenal would dominate Liverpool from from front to back, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely a very cold, cold takes exposed type uh, type of issue. But um, yeah, it was just it was just so unnecessarily because if you ask what you know, there was no reason. <laughs> to like crap on Premier League teams when asked that question, um, because clearly the the question was you know how does Atlanta United become one of the biggest clubs around? Like how do yeah. they become big like the you know like a like a Liverpool or a or a United who have like these worldwide fan bases and all that stuff? You know how do they do that? I think is well, where just, the question comes from. And then you give this like how did that guy feel getting that response? Like <laughs> okay. Like, like, like how do you feel, like just generally saying something that's completely recognized by absolutely everyone? Like a general <laughs> statement, like we know the Premier League is vastly superior. What would an ML, like an up and coming good MLS team have to do to compete? <laughs> and he just like a monkey throwing shit. That just throwing that shit. is what that tweet was. Like specifically at people though. Right. Like not like shoveling shit, because I feel like that's that's kind of a general statement. Like you're just heaving over his shoulder. He was like a monkey just heaving in at that person. But I also think he took a couple of shots with us yeah. as specific as that tweet was too. So, so Kartik gets the first, uh, the first nomination for, for villain of the year for one of the worst Twitter takes that we've seen on, on football Twitter this, this year. Um, the second nominee is, we really debated putting putting this account on the list because it's they really don't deserve it. Giving them airtime is not something we want to do. So I'm gonna try to make this as as brief as possible. But Guardiola era, the account that has been you know publicly uh, like changing its Twitter profile picture to whatever team Liverpool is playing that weekend. <laughs> and just talking about how basically their goal in life is to not is for Liverpool not to win the league. Uh, it and their fandom is, has nothing to do with City. It'll be you know he's tweeting about Liverpool games during City games, um, and so what it does and a lot of Liverpool fans all retweet his you know very 
or there, you know, his or her could be, it could be, I doubt anything this irrational (laughs) would come from a woman, but (laughs) it seems like a complete waste of time. But, uh, but the, they'll, you know, put their hot takes on the, they'll, you know, Liverpool fans will retweet them because they're kind of taking joy in this, in the, in the frustrations of this city fan. But I just want to go on record and say that I don't think that this person is a city fan at all. No, in no, (laughs) nobody should. Like, this is not, maybe it is. Maybe it's a city fan with like multiple accounts. Like, if I was like 13, 14 years old and Twitter was revealed to me, I would probably act this way. Like, I was an asshole on AOL and Instant Messenger, right? I would, I had multiple pat dog accounts on AOL. So, this, this type of behavior is not above me. But the fact is, like, I, I probably wasn't interacting, like, for the world to see, and I didn't have thousands of followers following like Pat Dog 2.5, which is still which is still my PSN name if anybody wants to play Red Dead. But but I, I think we have to include it because it's so I kinda had this offhand offhand tweet the other day about like people following like Indy Indicalia now. Yeah. And like responding and like conversing on posts that they make as if they're some type of legit account. Which they're not. It's still a dog shit account. <laughs> but compared to the Guardiola eras in some of these, there's another one that popped up that everybody was like ridiculing today because he said like sell sell Nabby or something oh, yeah. like that. A completely fake account. Like, yeah. and it's not even trying. And so it's important to have Guardiola era on here because they're not they're not real people, and that <laughs> like the persona that you've created and are cultivating now is not real like maybe you do hate liverpool maybe you do like city but it's not an authentic account it's not a genuine take on anything it's all phony it's fake it's all bullshit so right. guardiola is a true villain because they are they're shaping twitter in a way that's negative for everybody yeah and i I think too it calls into question as well these Twitter accounts that start with no other product in mind aside from tweets. So like if the only, you know, content that I'm producing or the only thing that I'm doing is tweeting about games that I'm not providing any type of like like we see, you know, like when we get to the heroes, it's all these people who are producing, you know, articles yeah. and podcasts and and like actual analysis even if it is on twitter if it's tweets it's it's not like hot takes it's not memes it's not and as a guy who loves a good meme i like to think that we also (laughs) we also produce something else you know like that's what we're not just like hot take merchants we're not just trying to meme our way to you know big twitter followings or anything like that we're trying to do something real like you said and so when someone goes in with the, just basically i'm gonna try to get as famous as possible behind this like stupid fake persona um, it just highlights so much of what is wrong <laughs> with our with our current our current society. <laughs> um, in that there's no there's no real production, there's no real value added. It's just it's it's just people who are looking to either get mad or or laugh at something. I guess. Yeah, it's just a waste, and it takes away from. It, you hit it straight on the head. Like Twitter is an area. And even in my own background in education, like I compare it to – I might have talked about this like season one, two, three, something like that. But like communities of practice and how one 
becomes a part of a community, obtains knowledge, shares knowledge. Twitter is one of the most incredible spaces for that to happen, like authentically, virtually, not just for football, but whether like you've got you've got football Twitter, you've got black Twitter, you've got all of these other things <laughs> where just like like minded people kind of come together and, and form these little kind of niche takes. And it looks kind of strange to outside people. Um, and that's what I love about it, too, because you get you can observe from like this peripheral. Right. Right. But then you can also actively become a part of it dive in learn more about it become a part of this community and that like destroys it <laughs> because <Right>. <laughs> there's no there's nothing again there's nothing authentic about it and like you said they're not creating or providing anything other than like drawing discourse and just arguments between people right. but not like constructive arguments where anybody like kind of gains any knowledge it's all negative and it's all it's like if you could take the phrase like it was just banter <laughs> and create a Twitter account, it would probably be Guardiola era because there's nothing else about it. So this segues nicely into our into our second or our, our third and final nomination, <laughs> uh, which is the one, the only BW Fast, um, a.k.a. Ben, ben Fast. Uh, he is, for those who are, you know, primarily listen to this podcast for the Liverpool side, Ben is, Ben is a, um, self-styled activist, um, for promotion <laughs> and relegation, <laughs> promotion and relegation in, in American soccer. Um, and that is something that, you know, I in the past in this on this podcast, if you guys have been listening for for a little while, you'll know that I'm fully behind. You know, the opening yep. of the opening of the pyramid and and allowing you know uh, the us to follow the the example set by by some of the you know brilliant pyramids that are out there that that allow for for healthy clubs. Um, however. <laughs> Ben goes about it in such a way that makes the whole thing seem just as Guardiola era. It seems like he's strictly there to poison the conversation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to me, uh, he one it's it's also been directed at us. Like we have engaged on Twitter <laughs> with with Ben, but I'm not sure if we have. Because you and I were kind of texting about it on WhatsApp. Like, you know, oh, you might have been like kind of joking. I wasn't joking. I no. legitimately question whether or not this is a real person behind this account. It, I, I tried to think about the best analogy I could, and it, it's not necessarily true anymore. But years ago in like video games, like when you could begin to play against a computer and like AI was a thing – there would be times, I think, when you'd be playing, maybe like PC games, this would happen more often, and you're like, oh, am I playing against a real person, or am I playing against like just an AI kind of generated bot or something like that? Because something about it doesn't feel right. Like, there's not like an authentic movement behind it. Like, there's something that these characters were doing that made you think like, oh, this is like, is computer generated? I'm playing against a bot or AI or something like yeah. that. And any time I converse with with Ben Fast on Twitter, it feels like that. Like I'll say, like 
you never provide like any like legitimate information about the points that you make. And he comes back with like, I don't know, like something not even connected to what I said, but like this cliched or random or bizarre statement. So either his like notifications are completely flooded and he, and he just has like a generic response. He responds to people (laughs) or he's just not a real person right? because no interaction I've ever had. Like, even the crap that he puts out, like the pro, uh, we don't even have to get into the pro Trump stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> which is a <laughs> that, whole because other... that popped up one day yeah. because I think maybe it was maybe Ben was abducted by Russian agents and they hijacked his account and then all of a sudden he was pro Trump and started just vomiting all over Twitter. Um, but he's not. I mean, there and there are some. You know, there yeah. are, there are many kind of like pro rel. You call them activists. I'll call them more zealots. That. Uh-huh. Are not are not doing like pyramids promotion relegation discussion a favor because they're so like abusive and targeted with with the way that they present stuff too. Yeah. And one just in terms of footballing information that he's providing, he's already like that, right? Like if you go through account, it's all like retweets and random stuff, and then maybe a video that may or may not be him. I don't know, but <laughs> everything feels phony. And the fact that we've actually like come into <laughs> come into contact with him and those responses, which should usually clarify it, but in this case only add fuel to this fire that it it's just it's all it's all fake. Yeah. Ben was already nominated as one of the two Red Gringos most punchable faces uh category <laughs> earlier in the year. Uh so this is his second uh nomination for for a two Red Gringos uh, award, quote unquote. Um, He's going for the double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the punchable face and Twitter villain double. Um, so like I said to Ben, uh, when he initially called us out, I am not advocating for anyone to punch him in the face. I just said that his face is punchable. Like that's what, yeah. that's the point we were making. It would probably be satisfying to punch him in the face. I'm not saying you should do it. <laughs> and there's a different, there's a difference there. Um, yeah, it, it should have been like, People I want to see get punched. Right. Like, I don't want to punch anybody in the right. face. But all of these people, eh, yeah. I would I would enjoy it. I would watch a looped video of that <laughs> more times than I should. <laughs> so that wraps up our Villain of the Year nominees. So th- that poll will go up on Twitter, and you guys will be able to choose, choose your villain. Um, I think I know who's going to win just based off of the fact that we have – that we're like – a Liverpool podcast, um, and two of our two of our nominees are are a little outside of that sphere, but that's fine by me if uh, <laughs> if that individual wins. So, um, but to move on to the to the heroes now, this is more these are more the people who are producing quality content, whether it's tweets or or thread you know the threads uh, or articles or podcasts, um, and just these guys have absolutely. Killed it all year. So the first, no no one's going to be shocked by any of these because we've brought their names up multiple times, basically every week for the last at least <laughs> at least year or two. So shameless, shamelessly. Yeah. So shamelessly. this is not going to shock anyone. Um, but the first the first man on our on our list uh, also had a big had a big moment last uh, yesterday. Um, bit cliche for my taste, but Sam McGuire, um, who writes for Football Whispers. <laughs> He uh, got engaged last night um, on on New Year's Eve. So congrats to Sam 
and his fiance on that. Um, but Sam is not on the list because of that, because we do not take that into account. Because I mean, he'd be he's stealing your thunder a little bit. Yeah, so I said I was a little. I don't even want to talk about him now because <laughs> everything just came crashing down. I I tell you, like, congrats to him. I don't mind the New Year's Eve engagement because I've suffered through a New Year's Eve wedding, so that so that a friend could get the tax benefit benefits of the marriage. So I, I'm okay with the engagement. It stole my thunder a little bit, but you know, there's there's been a grace period there. And, you know, mine was mine was 2018. I'm, I'm thinking his might be technically 2019. Yeah. If I'm if I'm imagining how it might have played out with him and the missus. But no, congrats to him. And for for Sam, what what I love about his takes is that, you know, I, I think you and I, we get our stats from a million different places. Right. right. We don't typically cultivate it. Um, Certainly, we don't generate like a website or anything like that. If if we're talking stats, we get it from them, or we go to like who scored anything else. Right. But we are huge proponents of, <laughs> like, or or maybe rallying against the eye test, right? Right. Like in finding this grace period, and I think Sam does such a good job of taking because to do that, you have to be able to take stats, but you have to present them in a way that that connects with people and we'll, we'll get to the other guys who, who do a phenomenal job in their own right. But to me, just his presence to produce like quality articles, frequently timely stat based, whether it's about like transfer predictions, he just had one or it's about analyzing before or after a match. Like he just does to me the best job of, of, of taking like hard kind of facts and presenting them in a way that is that's just genuine, but that resonates with people, um, or at least resonates with us, you know, because it's just his writing comes off. It's so easily to consume, or it's so easy to consume, um, but also share and then to engage in discussion with it too. So that's why I love Sam. Yeah, Sam. Sam is is uh, just a a really good writer. Really. I think thoughtful in what he writes about as well, um, and he always yeah. seems timely with with what he's. You know, he's he's just written about something and then it be and then it becomes, you know, relevant in the <laughs> in the like kind of more mainstream news. Um so he's got a very good eye, I think, for the the stuff that people um are looking for, as well as just it being um genuine genuinely good um and and really uh really well done just across the board. Um the uh the second man on the list the he would not win any awards with us for his for his Twitter username. <laughs> no, that's why are you uh, stoking that fire? I I just I had to I had to poke it a little bit, but no, uh, Babu Yagu. Uh, he has kind of burst on the scene uh, more recently uh, with within the realm of of Liverpool writers, um, and uh, we actually one of the we got an end of the year kind of shout out from, uh, from Connell Doniger that basically said that we had like brought him Babu. Like we showed (laughs) him that Babu existed. Um, and I felt very, I felt very, uh, validated by that (laughs) in that we've helped spread, spread the good word. (laughs) The good Uh, word of Babu. Yeah. Babu is like, when it comes to stats, 
for anybody that's familiar with the matrix, like <laughs> there, there were other people that existed and, and were doing extremely well. But for Babu, Babu was almost like he was the guy like born in the matrix. So he comes out like Babu, we'll, we'll talk, we'll call him the chosen one. But when it comes to statistical analysis <laughs> in the information that he has, like that's what I pick. I close my eyes and I just picture him being like this green blob with just like the binary code coming like in and out of him and him being able to control it. Because uh, we, we've got another one upcoming. I'll let you talk about him before the story. But there's just this interaction between Babu and Simon Brundish that to me kind of captured why I love both of them. Um, in terms of both their takes and just their ability to provide stats. And, and Babu just does it like we, we talked about. Simon, one that we won't even mention, uh, Dan Kennett, already a two-red Gringos Hall of Famer, goes yeah. without saying. But yeah. I, I just see these interactions with people that, that we've just held to this standard. And Babu comes in with like something else like completely obscure – and <laughs> I think it was earlier this year, maybe my favorite moment of 2018 was I think it was like either Dan or Simon Brundish that were like involved in this conversation with Babu. And they were just like flat out said, where do you get these stats from? <laughs> <laughs> like, and so that's what forever since then I picture him as like, you know, Neo in the Matrix, like, you know, the, the green blob and everything going in at him. So, no, Babu, like. For for 2018 was the year, Babu. Yeah, <laughs> especially as, as the two red Gringos are concerned. Exactly. Yeah, the emergence the emergence of Babu, and and so that does lead to to our final nominee, Simon Brundish. Uh, so most involved with the the Anfield Index po- podcast, and was one of you know in terms of LFC Twitter and and the and the Klopp the Klopp era um, was one of the well, I guess going back to the Rogers era as well. Um, was one of the first to really dive into the pressing stats. Um, yeah. When those were, they're not as in vogue, I feel like, uh, nowadays, but they, <laughs> <laughs> when they, when they were first, uh, first desired, um, Cy was one of the first to, to hit the scene with, with those pressing stats. And, and, uh, it's always been like completely eye opening when you hear him talk about something because he can break it down in a stats way where everything yeah. that he says, pretty much makes sense because there is evidence <laughs> to back it up. Well, uh, one, I love size take because I think they kind of reflect the way that we view Twitter because there's this air superiority that he has and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, uh, I, I love this moment. And one, I think you could even say like Anfield index. When we talk about like this eye test for stats, uh, uh, like Anfield index is like the champion of that. Like, Somebody saying like, oh, I thought when Alden played like shit. And it's like, no, here's everything that you need to know in terms of why he was that. But they do present it. It's so analytical. It's in such a way that it puts people off. So, again, kind of that dynamic between the way Sam presents it is that it's consumable and it's easy for, for everybody to see. But but Simon, like one of my favorite things was just <laughs> two things today that popped up. First one was that everybody was like, oh, Ox is training again. Like, uh, oh, it's great. It, <laughs> he just kind of comes in and shoots everybody down like, what the fuck else is he supposed to be doing? <laughs> so all this like goodwill and good feeling towards Ox, like, oh, so glad to see him back. We think he's on the schedule. He's like, you guys are idiots. Like, it's, it's just 
business as usual. Love it. Love it. Because, because he knows it. Like he knows, especially not just statistical analysis, but also fitness uh, and health. He's one of the best people on Twitter to follow. Yeah. But then like seeing this interaction today, he, he did this kind of a uh, Robertson uh, Trent dynamic and saying like, why does everybody love Robertson and nobody's loving like this kind of scouse homegrown hero. And he posts something about Trent and granted they were mostly uh, attacking stats, but right. Trent was better than all of them. Right. And then of course, Babu comes in in response and shows like all the defensive like statistics of Robertson. And then this conversation happens about, well, you know, if you prefer the more traditional fullback as opposed to attacking. And that was just, those are the interactions that we live for because right. they provide such clarity to things that we already know, or at least we think we know, but then actually backing them up because that's, yeah. that's kind of the perfect world that, that we want to live in where we say, Oh, I think this happened. Or I think this player performed this way. Like, did it actually go down like that? Because it's one of it's one of the few sports where <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like every sport like the eye test can fail you, but you could be really wrong. Like you could watch a match for 90 minutes, think player performed a certain way and be completely wrong about that, too. So having yeah. these this trio of people to follow is uh, it's important for us, but it's it's also what makes it great. The uh, my favorite moment of that conversation was <laughs> so they're using the charts that fill out to shapes in a in kind of a circular it's a circular chart with different stats along you know each yeah. kind of axis and it and it ends up you know making a shape and so for uh, for size chart it was mostly attacking stuff and Robertson's was just slight a slightly smaller circle but you know they're contributing in each kind of stat so it's a it's a circle and it's a pretty consistent the chart that yeah. babu came out with it's it's very like it was a very different shape because um it included the defensive stats and trends were far more focused on the attacking and so those areas were larger and then and then rabo's the way that it <laughs> was shaped um it had two kind of very big areas out to the right and left and then one to the bottom <laughs> and so there's a serious statistical conversation going on between Babu and Sai, and Dan Kennett jumps into the conversation. And is like, I just like that. Uh, I just like that. Rabo's chart looks like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, so amongst all the statistical conversation and all of the and all of the amazing stat stuff that Dan does. <laughs> There's still that there's still that kind of humor of the yeah. <laughs> the levity in there. And uh like, like yeah. today when Babu was like we're thinking, oh moments of twenty eighteen. And I'm like, oh Babu will probably give us something about like, you know, early on Navi had like an XG chain of like one point two in a single <laughs> game. But he comes on like this like completely obscure random discussion between Van Dyke and Loverin. And then yeah. I don't know, like there's this genuine human nature and maybe that's the difference between our heroes and our villains like we've got <laughs> we've got people that that are genuine authentic produce something and then on the other side you have people that may or may not be russian bots um and don't really cultivate anything on their own yeah so uh so make sure you keep an eye out for for those uh for those polls um and and be sure to vote uh, we'll have those posted on the Twitter at Two Red Gringos, um, and 
Yeah. So, I mean, 2018's closed out. We've got our first episode in the bag for 2019. So, I mean, 2019, what are, what, what's to come for, for the 2RG? Big things. I, no, I don't know. More, <laughs> more of the same. I, a goal I have for us is for us to be able to, one, I think give, give the people what they want on a more consistent basis and maybe also, you know, kind of uh, send it out there in a way that is, is easier to consume and not always the, you know, we just hit the two hour mark <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, just, just be, be what we talked about and be able to kind of cultivate. And even if you're not creating something, you're helping, you're helping shape and push discussions and narratives too. So no, it's just fun. I, I'd really love to have more people on and to do not just the, the type of interview styles, which was really fun doing it with the bros, bros podcast. Um, but, but getting people on to offer their opinion, like when we've had my brother, um, We've had a number of other people on just to kind of add their take to it, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and then sending out there in, in maybe more diverse forms as well. Yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely a, a goal of mine as well as just the, uh, like you said, the more more digestible, more easily digestible uh, kind of episodes. <laughs> but also doing doing more stuff um, with with kind of the adding you know adding a third or fourth voice you know on on certain podcasts for the big the big games especially um and just getting as many people involved as as we can and doing it as often as possible so hopefully and more of more of your vines more. <laughs> dude I, i'm i i'm fully in, i'm fully into to that now so that's gonna be part of this <laughs> like memes and memes and vine. i miss vine so much that i've I, just replaced it with with uh something else now and so yeah i'm just gonna continue to go forward with those um yeah the latest being the Ma- mariah carey soldier boy uh mashup <laughs> which was incredible that that was almost my moment of 2018 when I hold, when I heard Soldier Boy come on with you, uh, yeah, no, but it's been it's been fun. I think we've we actually have been more consistent this year. I think than in the past. I think I think we've been a lot better because um, there have been seasons with only eight episodes. I think, and we're at episode eight <laughs> halfway through. We're almost like Liverpool, where it's like. We, you know, we probably had 17 wins all of, <laughs> all of 14, 15. <laughs> can we sustain this run? <laughs> so we can, uh, hopefully we can, yeah, keep it, keep it coming. Um, if you, if you are looking for more, we've got it on two red gringos dot com. Uh, we've got an Instagram, we've got Twitter. Uh, all the podcasts are now on iTunes, Google play and Spotify. So there's really, you know, pick your poison. We always say here, when it comes to beer, but also pick your poison when it comes to podcast streaming services as well. Um, lots of options. Spotify one is legit too. I just love seeing it on Spotify. It looks, it does make, I don't know. There's something about being like accessible in the same way that like any (laughs) major artist is, is accessible. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool being on Spotify and it looks legit. It does look like, it we look very official it's bona fide <laughs> um yeah and so keep an eye out for for big things i had a conversation with babu 
over DM uh, just before we started recording, and he is like getting his setup ready because he wants to be on an episode. And, Slid into Babu's DMs. Oh yeah, okay. and so so Babu will be on the show likely in the coming in the coming weeks. Um, Love it. Don't let that influence their vote for <laughs> no two Reg Ringo's Hero of the Year. No, but he uh, you may be hearing his his dulcet tones soon. So uh, and adding a new adding a new element to his to his game coming coming from just the writing side. So big big things on the horizon for us. I will say this about Spotify because I just searched two red and I started typing out gr in Gringo but didn't finish, and so the predictive search. The one just beneath the top result, Two Red Gringos, the first song mentioned is One Thought, Two Thought, Red Thought, Blue Thought um, by Young Gravy. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to check that out and feature it in a, in a later Two Red Gringos pod. I mean, or this one. <laughs> or right now, because that's incredible. Well, uh, well, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. Like I said, you can check us out, subscribe in all of those places, and uh, and follow us on Twitter at Two Red Gringos, and you'll pretty much find everything. It's been a hell of a year for the Reds, and 2019 is shaping up to be a pretty good one as well. Um, we've got a giant match against City coming up, and uh, if if we get a win there, then I think we'll all start to truly believe that something very special is going on. Excited to see the make us believe posters or banners go up. Yep. Make it, make us dream, make us believe. So with that being said, we're going to listen to whatever the hell this is. (laughs) I just Google image search young gravy and it. (laughs) You feel me? Gravy on probation, now I'm on probation, ayy, and I'm fucking with some Asians, ayy, oof. My goodness. Gravy train. I said one thought, two thought, red thought, blue thought, gravy so cold, bitch, I think I need a flu shot. One thought, two thought, three <laughs> thought, This is not how I wanted thot. to enter Got bitch in the kitchen, cooking up the pork chops. One thought, two thought, red thought, blue thought, gravy so cold, bitch, I think I need a Hold on. A baker's dozen is 13. Yeah. He said 12 thotties cooking for me. That's a baker's dozen. That's just wrong. Is that what you're most upset with <laughs> yeah. uh, from what from what you've just heard? <laughs> I mean, no, obviously, but... I really never thought that we'd hear Dr. Seuss like that derivatively shoved into a into the hook of a rap song. Especially combined with the word thought. Right. Soul Survivor coming in. Little R and B soul.
recorded in front of a live studio audience or I don't know. He he kind of looks like a parody of what is it, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Oh god. Who also have terrible music. They have but music? almost like if you combine maybe like Dwight from The Office <laughs> with Jake Paul. That oh is what Young Gravy looks like. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. And he's on pro- he's off probation. Or he's on probation. Yeah, I couldn't something about probation, yeah. Maybe he's off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I think that's going to pop up in my Spotify 2019 wrapped as like the first song I listened to. <laughs> so It's not the way I wanted it to go down. No. Like I liked something on Twitter today. And uh-huh. I think it was like almost like a kind of pity, like, oh, I'll go ahead and like this. And it did like a little fireworks explosion or something like that. And I'm like, and then I like something else and it didn't do that. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to see that as in like 20 to like this was your first like tweet of 2019 <laughs> it'll be something from you know ben fast or something like that <laughs> you will be the villain like <laughs> <laughs> our um, own worst enemy oh man good stuff oh gravy so I, cold i gotta after young gravy i gotta i gotta bounce yep all right. <laughs> All right. Good episode. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you. See you, man. Bye.